Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We believe that the gospel really is good news, that the blood of Jesus worked, and that Jesus meant it when he said, it is finished. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God, forgiven and free, clean and close, holy and beloved, blessed and made new. If God is doing something special in your life, we would love for you to tell us about it. You can simply email us at info at lifejourneyva.com. One of the reasons we are able to provide these weekly podcasts is because of the generosity of people like you. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Today, we're going to deal with this very real life hurt of, can you guess? Anybody read the emails on Friday? Anybody know? Rejection. Rejection. Because let's face it, man, no matter who we are, we've all been rejected. I remember the very first time I was rejected. I mean, that I can remember. I'm sure I was rejected before this, but fifth grade. Fifth grade, when I was going out with the love of my life, Audrey Gardner. And she was the one that everybody in fifth grade wished was, you, you know, you remember that girl, right? Maybe you were that girl. The one that everybody wanted to be with. My wife, I'm sure, was that girl. And, and the one that everybody wanted to go out with. And this was my week, right? Well, I just didn't know that it was only going to be a week. And come Friday, my heart was shattered when I got that little note, you know, that came on the lunch tray, you know, and said, you know, sorry, Jack, I'm, I'm moving on, you know, to bigger and better things. My world caved. Like my fifth grade, what age is that? Like 11, maybe 10, something like that. It caved. It caved. I remember crying. (laughs) But I got over it. And rejection comes in all sorts of, that's a little funny, silly. Rejection comes, when you're playing basketball, there's nothing greater in the world than to block someone's shot. And what do you yell at them? Rejected. Right? Right? What's the worst thing in basketball? (laughs) Right. And that happened to me a lot, right, growing up. Uh, I am tall, but, uh, you know, when you start playing basketball, there's people a lot taller than you. Look, there's all sorts of types of rejection. Romantic rejection, job rejection. You ever been fired, laid off? Like, what do you do with that? And that strikes deep. As a provider for your family, you no longer have that role because you've been rejected by your employer. Social rejection, you know, like in the neighborhood when everybody else gets the invitation to that, you know, shindig, but not you. That social rejection, rejection by divorce. You come to find out that you know things are going difficult between you and your spouse, and then all of a sudden you check your mail, and there's divorce papers for you to sign. You knew things were bad, but maybe not that bad. Rejection. Rejection by a parent. We were just talking today, me and Bob, I don't know where Bob went to, but Bob and I were just talking this morning about a scenario where somebody rejected a bunch of their children rejecting, what about being rejected by your children? Especially as you get a little older and you want to spend time with your kids, but they've got life, they've got career. You know that old song, you know, Cat in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon? Remember that? Yeah, so that's sad. <laughs> but we start rejecting, get rejected by our kids. I don't know what I'm going to do the day when I go to, you know, pick up my daughter from like school and she's like, dad, don't yell, I love you or something. Like, what am I going to do when she tells me that? We even have this thing called organ rejection. Like you give somebody your kidney and they like reject you. You're like, really? It's that bad? So rejection and failure, they sort of go hand in hand. 
It's hard to be rejected and not feel the sense of failure. And rejection affects, it really affects every element of our lives. It, it affects our mood, our attitude. It, reflects our, it affects our sleeping patterns. It affects our productivity at work. Let's say you have a, you're being, going through a divorce, you're being rejected through the divorce. It, it affects your productivity at work, which only spurs more, lack, you know, more unproductivity, lack of productivity at work, which then just creates probably more rejection because now you are fired from your job because you're not being productive. So rejection, it fuels this sense of insecurity. It's very hard to be confident in who you are when you're just continuously being rejected, left and right. And most of us think that if we just achieve a certain level of, in life, a certain status, a certain you know, quota in life, that, that we, will, we will no longer go through rejection. If we're at the top of the, the pecking order, nobody's left to reject us. Well, I mean... Do we really think that's the case? I mean, there's at least 20, I don't know, maybe it's 30 by now, guys running and gals running for president. They just keep adding into the mix. Only one of them is going to be president. And these are guys, gals, they're, they're wealthy. They're, they're, it could be debatable whether they're, they're wise, but you know, they're, 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 they're at the top of their game. I mean, they're running for president. All of them except for one are going to be rejected. You see that? So it doesn't really matter where you are. Rejection happens. And so the question is, how do we deal with that? How do we process that? How do we handle that without spiraling further and further into difficulty? The Huffington Post back in 2014 had this article about how to deal with rejection. And it had things like, you know, spend extra time hugging your cat. You're taking a bubble bath, taking Tylenol because the same pain, receptivity, same pain receptors uh, that, 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 that receive pain from rejection, Tylenol can help. And it's like, okay, maybe that's helpful, but those are all outside-in sort of fixes. And what's the problem with outside-in fixes? They're temporary. They don't actually fix you. And so we've got this theory that we're working off of that Jesus actually spells healing, C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T. The covenant by which God has created this new covenant, it actually provides healing for every single one of life's hurts, including rejection. And so we're going to spend just a few minutes that we have remaining looking at an example of this, and hopefully it makes some sense. Maybe it won't, but hopefully it will. What do we do when we just don't measure up? Let's take our Bibles, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 15. In Luke 15, Jesus is, uh, well, we'll just read verse 1, because it tells us what Jesus is doing. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. All the tax collectors and the sinners, they were coming near to him, coming to him to listen to him. Okay, so just in case we're not familiar with what tax collectors and sinners are, they are in this passage, in this context, the rejects of society. A tax collector, a Jewish, they were a Jew who had aligned themselves with the Romans to levy and collect taxes on their fellow Jews to fund the, the Roman army that, was, um, that was inva- had invaded them. So in our context, it would sort of be like if ISIS came and controlled America and one of you aligned yourself with ISIS to levy revenue from the rest of us to fund ISIS. I don't know what your response to that would be, but we probably wouldn't be very good friends, right? 
That's the idea of these tax collectors. They were rejected by the Jewish society because they had aligned themselves with Rome. And these are the people that are coming to hear Jesus. Sinners. Well, it doesn't say what type of specific sin, just sinners, the everyday run-of-the-mill sinners. Probably from the other passages that we do know about, prostitutes, maybe they're pimps. I don't know. All sorts of different drunkards, politicians, who knows? All these different sinners that are of their day that have been rejected by the religious society of the Jews. And these rejected tax collectors and sinners were finding a message that Jesus was preaching that was completely different than what they thought they could ever find and hope for. They were hearing compassion in what Jesus was saying. They, they, They were hearing mercy, love, forgiveness, acceptance. Well, who, who gets ticked off when people who are rejected get received? The people who did the original rejection, right? And look at verse 2. It says, both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. You know, it's a pretty, pretty sad state when you grumble when somebody else is finding help. But we do that sometimes. That's pretty sad. The Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man, all right? So he's the God man, but they're like, no way. He, this man receives sinners and even, added even, but and eats with them. You see, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they can't handle grace. Grace is just simply too scandalous to them. The idea that someone could be right with God by some sort of other system than what they have embraced is just simply impossible. They had embraced a system that they are right with God based on what they've done and what they've not done. And so they could look at this long trail of their past and say, see what I've done. I am worthy to be right with God because of what I've done and what I've not done. But these sinners, these outcasts, these rejectors, these rejected ones, these tax collectors are actually finding acceptance at the feet of Jesus. And these, tax, these Pharisees, the religious crowd, simply cannot handle it. And Jesus knows their thoughts. More importantly, Jesus knows their heart. And so he begins to tell them a couple of parables. Now, a parable you want to write, I think a good definition of parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he uses earthly examples, but to describe something that's out of this world, amazing. And so he starts giving a parable, teaching some parables, three parables, to try to open the eyes of the religious to see the true heart of God because they've missed it. They've missed the true heart of God because their attempt at trying to perfect themselves in their own righteousness. And so they've missed the, to- the, the, the true heart of the Father. And so Jesus tells these parables. The first parable is familiar. It's one where a shepherd loses a sheep. And he, and he leaves the 99 that are still there. And he goes and he searches and searches until he finds it. And once he finds it, he celebrates. Second parable was about a woman who lost a coin. She, she had the nine still, but she lost the one. And she searched and searched and searched until she could find it. And she finally found it. And she celebrated. Well, this last parable is the one that we're going to look at very briefly. In fact, we're not even going to look at the whole thing for time's sake. This last one is about a dad who loses a son. This is a very familiar parable. But 
If we don't read this parable in the context of Jesus trying to open the eyes of the religious to the true heart of the Father, God the Father, then we're going to miss the beauty and the grandeur and the greatness, as we just sang about, of our God. So let's pick up in verse 11. It says, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, dad... Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And so he divided the wealth among them. So essentially, if you're new with us, we read a little, we talk a little, and, and, and we wrap things up. But in, in essence, the younger son was saying to the dad, Dad, you know how I get half of everything once you die? The, the, the younger son is saying, could we just go ahead and make that happen? And he, he's not rude enough to say, hey, I, I really want you dead, dad. But he's basically going all the way to that point. He's saying, could we just pretend you're dead? Could, could you be dead to me and me dead to you so I can get your stuff and go on about my life? And so in a very real sense, the son is rejecting the father. Verse 13, and after, uh, not after many days, the younger son gathered everything together and he went on a journey into a distant country. And we know what happens if you've been, you know, read the scriptures before. He squandered his estate with loose living. That's a very G-rated way of saying just some wild, crazy parties. This phrase actually in the Greek, it's not used anywhere else in the Bible, in the scriptures. But it means these crazy, wild parties. Now, we don't know how much money he blew through, and that's not really the point, but the father was pretty wealthy. We, we read that he has all these servants. We read that he has fatted calves later. We read that he has robes and rings and all this sort of fancy stuff. So he's pretty wealthy. So we don't know exactly how much money he ran through, but he blew through a lot of money. Who does this younger son represent? It represents those rejected tax collectors and sinners, people who have made really, really poor choices in their life. It represents every single man, woman, boy, boy and girl born into this world having rejected the father all the way back to Adam himself. So what do you think this happened to this young son, this younger son, when he ran out of all of his money? Well, his party friends, they reject him. Because what purpose, what function does this young man have in the life of the party animals when the, party, when the son doesn't have any more money? So when the money was gone, they were no good, it was no good to them. And so the very next verse in verse 14 says, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he, the son, began to be impoverished. This is verse 14. I don't know if it can get on the screen or not, but this is just verse 14. So the money is gone. The friends are gone. The food is gone. And the time had come for the younger man to actually experience what life can really be like. This younger son had never experienced need before. I mean, he had lived his entire life a son of this rich, wealthy father. And for the first time in his entire life, he experienced need. He had everything he could ever hope for in his father's house. He was a son. But having rejected his dad and now having been rejected by all of his party friends, he is face to face with poverty in a way that he's never been before. And not just financial poverty, right? Social poverty, familial poverty, 
emotional poverty. He is at the lowest of the lowest. So what does he do next? Well, we might say with what we read next, he, uh, he comes to, he, he, he does the most humiliating thing ever. And I, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree. I think the most humiliating thing that for the son to do would be go and say, I'm sorry to dad. Because, I mean, he is staring poverty, staring need in the face. But he doesn't go to dad yet. The scripture says in verse 15, so he went and hired himself. The literal word there, hired himself, literally means he joined himself. He became a slave to someone. He joined himself or an indentured servant sort of style to some one of the citizens of that country. And so he sent him, the, the, the citizen sent the boy, the young boy, out to the fields to feed swine. So, so let's make sure we understand what's happening. He'd rather go feed pigs than to say, I'm sorry to dad. Ladies, listen. Ladies, men, to me out for a second. Ladies, in case you didn't already know the depth of the male ego, it is deep. It is deep. This boy would rather slop swine than go say, I'm sorry to dad. It's deep. Be patient with us. It is deep. He'd rather slop pigs than to go tell his dad, dad, I was an idiot. I was selfish. I was insensitive. I was a jerk. And remember that pigs are unclean, an unclean animal to the Jew. And so he, he's, he's literally saying, I'm turning my back on my entire Jewish religion so that I could not go say I'm sorry to dad. He didn't take the job of tending sheep. That's kind of a noble job. I mean, King David was a sheep tender, a shepherd. But no, he's slopping swine. Now, I've never been this hungry before, but look at what happens here. Verse 16, he says, And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. It doesn't say that, you know, he was really, really hungry and he wondered what it would have looked like. It said he would gladly. It means he desired. In fact, the word there comes from the same word we get, desire. He desired to eat the pig food. Now, he's been rejected by his friends, by society. He's had to join himself up to someone from a foreign country, become basically a servant, a slave of a foreigner, And look at this. It says, Jesus makes a big emphasis. He says, and no one was giving anything to him. Remember, there was a famine in the land. And so food was precious and rare. And so whoever was in charge of food distribution, listen to this. This is is crazy. The person who's in charge of food distribution says that the lives and the well-being of the pigs is greater than the life and the well-being of this human being. You see that? There's not enough food. There's a famine. And so you can't give the boy food because we've got to feed the pigs. You talk about rejection at the deepest level when a pig gets a preference over you. So verse 16, this I mean, 17, this penniless, covered in the sinfulness of the loose living world, covered in the smell of swine, famished, no food, starving to death. Verse 17 says, 
And when he came to his senses, he said, how much, uh, sorry, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food to eat, enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, and here's his speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Sounds like this younger son is repentant, right? He's coming to his senses. That might be true, but I'm a little skeptical still. What was the motivation to going back to dad? Was it because he's like, dad, I realize what I've done. I'm so sorry. Maybe. But it sounds like to me, the true motivation is an empty stomach and he just wants food to eat. And so he's willing to do whatever he can to get food to eat. So verse 20, so I'm just saying maybe his motivations aren't even accurately or truly pure. Maybe they are. I don't know. And so he's got this speech and verse 20 says he, get up, he gets up and he starts walking towards his father. Remember, it's a distant country. And so he's walking for a long time. And I could just imagine him reciting this, this speech over and over. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me, just hire me as one of your hired servants so I could at least just eat bread that the rest of the family doesn't eat. And the scripture says, now remember, we're going to read a little bit about the dad here. And remember that Jesus is giving this story, this parable, to reveal something. And it's the very heart of the Father, the Father of the universe, God the Father. And it says this, But while he, the younger boy, was still a long way off, the Father saw him. Now, if the father saw the boy while the boy was still a long way off, that could only mean one thing, and that was that the father was looking for the son to come home. He was longing for the son to return. Cause, or he was just checking his mail and he happened to see him. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he was looking for the son to return. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. Now watch this. He felt compassion for him. He didn't feel condemnation. He didn't feel anger. He didn't feel fury. He didn't feel more rejection, but he felt compassion. Now, this is the son that took half of the wealth of that father and squandered it in loose living, and he finds, he, he, he generates compassion. The word compassion actually is literally, literally trans, translated, it's from within the bowels emotion. And so this wasn't just some sort of manufactured compassion. God, I'm really ticked at him, but I need to be nice to him. No, this is from the depths of the father's being, compassion for him. And then it says, he ran to him. Now, noble men just don't run. Others run to the noblemen, to the wealthy. But this father, he humbles himself and he runs to this son who had, remember, rejected him. And it says that he embraced him and he kissed him. Embraced him and kissed him. Where, where in the story does this young man go to the priests and, and get forgiveness for his sins of the loose living? Where in the story does he, he stop by a motel and wash off all the pig poo? Nowhere. The father comes and embraces him as he is. 
The father has run to the son. He's embraced him. He's kissing him. The boy that was so rejected, rejected by his friends and even rejected in favor of pigs, is now being embraced, being kissed by the one whom he first rejected. What are we seeing with this? Who are we seeing with this? Is this the view that we've had of the Father? Because it's what Jesus says the Father is like. Verse 21, and the Son says to him, okay, now here's the speech. Remember the speech? He's been working on the speech. You know, he's making sure that all of his grammar is correct. He's been working on the speech. And so here comes the speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. The son realizes that what he's done is unacceptable, and he's been rejected by his friends. He's been rejected in favor of pigs. And so he's prepared himself to be rejected by dad. It's, it, it, he's saying, dad, I know what I've done. I know what I've caused. I, 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 before you have a chance to scream at me, to yell at me, to give me all the I told you so's because I know they're coming. Before all that, dad, I just want to go ahead and resign my place as your son. It's kind of like in high school, right? When you catch wind that your girlfriend's going to break up with you, what do you do? That's right. You break up with her first. You save a little bit of dignity. So the father, the son is saying, let me just cut to the chase, dad. I'm just going to go ahead and end this. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the very next line of the speech was supposed to be what? Just make me as one of your hired men. But you know what happens? Look at verse 22. The father interrupts him. The father stops him in his tracks. The father doesn't let him get to that garbage of, I just will be a hired servant of yours. The father stops him. And in verse 21, he says, verse 22, he says to the slaves, to the servants, quickly bring out the best robe. Which robe for this one who rejected the father? Which one who squandered all the wealth? Which one who was doing all the wild living and and then rather feed pigs than come home? The best robe. Get the best robe from him and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. I mean, there's still pig stuff all over his hands and he's putting rings on him and put sandals on his feet. No more walking around in the filth, but a separation from the filth and bring the fatted calf and kill him. And let's celebrate. Not quite the response the son was expecting, huh? He was expecting further rejection. He, he, he was hoping to wear the servant's garb, but now he's wearing his father's best robe. He was expecting to spend the rest of his life working his fingers to the bone, but he's now wearing a ring of the father declaring that the son is a son. He, he, he was expecting you know, to, to, to be covered in the filth of the, of the homestead as he cleaned it. And the father put sandals on his feet, separating him from the dirt that surrounded him. He, he was just hoping to spend the rest of his life eating leftover bread from the tables of his other brother and the rest of his family. And he's right here eating steak from the fatted calf. He was hoping, he was just hoping to spend the rest of his life serving distinguished guests, distinguished visitors of his fathers. And he finds himself 
being the one who is the distinguished guest. Not quite what he was expecting. Why would the father do this? Why, why has the one who rejected the father and had been rejected by the world and rejected by even in favor of pigs, why was he now raised to such a level of high esteem to the point where they celebrate? Well, that's the next verse. Here's why. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He, he was lost and now he is found. And they began to celebrate. Just in case you haven't picked up on this, Jesus, he's been sharing this story about a man, a parable, to reveal the true heart of God. This is the very heart of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's not a heart of rejection. It's a heart of reception. Far too long we've seen the Heavenly Father as this cold, stern, impossible to please, angry, distant God. But Jesus is saying in this parable, no, no, no. We need to hear Jesus' words and believe them. The Father's great desire is not to reject people. We've rejected him in Adam. The Father's great desire is for us to see what we've done and to come home, to return, to believe in what Jesus has actually done. Believe in the goodness of the Lord. Paul tells us that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. But how is this possible? How can the God of the universe embrace sinners? How can the God of the universe kiss Sinners. Well, he can't because he's holy and sinners are not. And this is the whole point of the cross, the whole point of Jesus. For God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son to die. And in his death, the very identity of who you once were if you believe in Jesus. Now, you, the identity of who you were, sinner, slave of sin, was placed into Jesus. The Bible tells us that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become his righteousness. The whole point of the cross was for every last sin of each one of us to be put away from us. So that now, upon believing in Jesus, there is no more filth, there is no more slop, there is no more disgusting reality between us and he. There's nothing but embrace. There's nothing but reception. There's nothing but celebration. Because that which once was dead, a.k.a. each one of us, by grace through faith, become alive. So how do we see the Father? When we're facing rejection in this world, and we will, and we'll continue because it's this world, do we look at the Father as yet another one whom we can't live up to? Do we see the Father, God the Father, as yet another one who's just in the long line of others who are just waiting to just reject us again and again? 
because we can never live up to his standard? What if we just listen to the words of Jesus and change our mind about the Father? Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When, Mo- when God introduced himself to Moses, he says, I am the Lord thy God, full of mercy and compassion. And in this new covenant, he has replaced all of our rejection, even our rejection from him as sinners, with reception and celebration and embrace and kissing, kissing the face of God, you, me, yes, all because of Jesus, because he's turned us from sinner into saint. Our band's going to come up and we're going to close out this morning with a song about this great love. Our journey marker, and if you're new with us, journey marker is, okay, how do we kind of pack this into a thought to take home with us? It's just this. In the new covenant, Jesus has rejected my rejection. In the new covenant, Jesus has rejected my rejection. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they love us in a way that we can never imagine. They actually love you. And by becoming our rejection and by being victorious over our rejection, Jesus has rejected our rejection. I want us to see this this morning, to see this love that he has, to see the heart of the Father. I want us to stare into the love of the Father towards us and not not look to the left or the right, but just to stare at this great love with which he's loved us. There's no greater love than someone who lays down his life for someone else. This is the love of the Father, of the Son. They've laid their life down for you. As we wrap up this morning, we're going to sing, like I said, but I just wanted to leave us with this thought. When you look at love, you can't help but love. Think about that. When you look at love, you can't help but love. Whether it's some sort of sappy post on Facebook and you watch it and there's maybe a video or something and you just like, you know, you start welling up inside. Yes, even guys do that. You just want to find your wife or your kids and just give them a hug. When you see love, you can't help but love. We do it when we're watching movies. Maybe it's some sort of sappy romantic comedy or something, and there's this love. We see this forgiveness, this compassion. You can't help but love when we see love. And all I'm saying for us to do, saints, is to look at the love of the Father which with, with which he has loved you. You see, when we see him for what he's actually done, we won't have to try to manufacture love. We won't have to try to create it. We won't have to try to, 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 to do something that's not natural. When we see his love for us, when we truly believe just how much he loves us, it, it, it's natural. It's supernatural. His love that's in us starts shining through us. And so... There might be somebody that you need to love more. There might be somebody you need to do something and say I'm sorry to like the son did. All I'm saying is that if we just go out and do that in some sort of religious activity to just love somebody just to love them or to do something to, to, to get right with somebody because we feel like we need to go, we might actually just be doing that to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. You ever done that? Fessed up to somebody just so you feel better about yourself? All I'm saying, that's not, I'm not saying that's not good or important. All I'm saying is if we just behold in our inner man the love of the Father towards us, look, 
we won't have to worry about how much to love and how much to give and how much to forgive and all that. All that will just be supernatural outflow of his great love towards us. Let's stand and pray and join in with the band as we sing this simple song, Jesus Loves Me. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see that Jesus has rejected our rejection, that we no longer stand condemned, we no longer stand rejected if we but believe in the Son of Jesus. And if there's anybody here, Father, who who does not yet believe in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, that they would. And Father, for all of us who do believe, but yet we, we don't see you for who you are. We see you as yet another person that we're not living up to the standards of or whatever. Father, help us to change and see you full of compassion, full of mercy, the one who has seen us from a distance and has run to us and embraced us and kissed us and robed us with your very righteousness and have put your ring of righteousness, of nobility, of of sonship on our finger. And you've put sandals on our feet separating us from this world. And you have fed us with yourself to where, as Jesus says, we'll never hunger and we'll never thirst again. Father, we thank you for this great love. Jesus has rejected our rejection. This world will reject us, and it should, because it rejected Jesus. So, Father, as we walk through the rejection in this place, in this world, I pray, Father, that you would help us to see the great love, the great acceptance, the great reception that we have in Jesus. In his name we pray. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at lifejourneyva.com. Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.